Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 234 of The Cutback. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? A little week vacation makes it seem extra long in between these sessions, but good to be back. Team's doing well. Um, we're back outside with the grassroots, the little guys. We had our first outdoor session last night. It was good to see everybody handed out trophies for when we won our, our flight in the fall. So good vibes all around. And um, only negative is we had our little head-to-head -head here on the cutback with our fantasy league, and it came down to the last game today, and Van Dyke stuck it to me. So He did. Keeps me on my, my losing woes now. Six out of the last seven games I've lost. So I've been... <laughs> Join that club, buddy. I think same for me. Form. I think I've lost six out of the last seven as well, and I finally just got the bounce. I just got the win. So we might have everything. matching form. It did. It took everything. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, all right. How about records from this, well, I guess, last week? Yeah, so we had two extra games on this game week. So out of 12 games, Evan went six and six. Zach, eight and four. Myself, I went nine and three. So overall, that's a total of 150. Yeah, 150 games now. Uh, Evans at 131 and 119. Zach 133, 117, and I'm at 136 and 114. And we only have eight games this upcoming weekend. Yep. So not a ton of room to make up space. Hopefully, we've got some different picks to kind of lengthen uh, up the the spaces in the table. Uh, should we jump right into the games? Let's. All right, Brentford won Liverpool four first game of the week on Saturday, um, the earliest one. We had Liverpool with a very commanding win. Um, we saw the return of Mo Salah, who registered a goal and an assist. Uh, but the real story, I think, is just the collective unit. Nunez with a goal in the 35th, uh, McAllister in the 55th, Salah with that one in the 68th, and then Gakpo in the 86th. So pretty much everybody on the attacking front getting involved. Um, with the exclusion of Diogo Jota, who uh, went off early injured, uh, not something you like to see. We saw Darwin go off injured late. Um, so they're going to be without those two guys for a few weeks. Um, the, the Jota thing, they said potentially could be quite a few weeks. So uh, not what you want to see if you're a Liverpool fan. And we should also say that Salah re-injured his hamstring. So uh, they're going to be without some guys. Didn't seem to affect them today, but we'll continue to talk about this one. I thought Liverpool dominated in pretty much every position, um, you know, on the pitch, 15 shots, eight of those on target, controlled possession, defensively looked very solid. They did let up a goal to Ivan Toney in the 75th, but the gap in quality between these two sides uh, was very evident. It was nice to see Robertson back in the starting 11. Uh, we saw Bradley as well. No Trent still. But to be honest, this is pretty much the best, I think, including Nunez up top, uh, that you can line up with if you're Liverpool. And that's the kind of result that they got. Uh, Brentford just looked really poor. I think Mark Flecken has taken a step back. There are games where he looks really, really good. He saves everything, and then there are games where he just looks a bit shocking. Uh, he had a couple of mistakes in this one. Uh, and that front line ahead of him, Ayer, Ben Mee, Nico, um, not Nico Collins, I'm sorry, Nathan Collins, lacking a bit of pace. So when you're going up against that front line of Liverpool, you're going to concede goals. 
I don't think anybody was really surprised about that. Reguillon had a decent game, does well getting forward, was subbed off later on, um, but really a very quiet game from the Bees creatively. I don't really think that surprises anybody. Uh, just just not really up to the standard that you have to be to defeat Liverpool at the minute. Brentford getting the worst two matches in a row there with mm-hmm. Liverpool, and then we'll talk about Man City later and Pinnock being listed out now. Uh, it's saying his return date's the end of March with a, a an ankle injury he's been dealing with all season, and you could tell the the chemistry in the back line a lot of errors in this game. Flecken's been standing on his head quite a bit, but Tony getting the garbage goal there towards the end when it was already three 0 but injuries really cripple Liverpool here even the three points which is good they need every point they can get now with the title race heating up but with all these key players getting hurt and they have the cup final against Chelsea this Sunday um, from a personal perspective it's good for us potentially no Salah, Nunes, Jota, Trent, Curtis Jones, Allison. all these guys are going to be out potentially uh, it gives us even better chances especially when uh, the team the performances we're putting in the, the last few game weeks has been pretty good, pretty nice. But uh, one guy that's been stepping up a lot is McAllister since Endo's been back and has filled in that six role. Um, he's getting involved in a lot of goal creations. He take, he's taken over on set pieces with Trent out, and he's been capitalizing on it. Uh, we saw today, too. So uh, great performance. It seems like Klopp's getting the team to get the points just as uh, just when they need them. Yeah, no doubt about that. Okay, let's move on to the next. We had um, Arsenal take on Burnley, an absolute cookout, 5-0, complete domination. Goals from Odegaard in the fourth, Saka in the 41st on a penalty, 47th from open play, Trussard in the 66th, and Kai Havertz in the 78th led Arsenal to an absolute masterclass over Burnley at Turf Moor. I don't think anybody thought Burnley had a chance in this one, especially after the way that Arsenal had looked against West Ham. Um, five wins in the last five now on 55 points, just a point behind City, and now level on games played. Um, yeah, not much to say other than you know Arsenal dominated in every single way you could have imagined. The only player I thought that didn't look up to the standard was Gabriel Martinelli, who got locked down by Asignon on the other side. Uh, but you can't really even say anything about Burnley attacking-wise. Fofana had maybe a chance. Um, didn't register a shot on target uh, for Burnley at all. Zero shots versus seven shots on target. But, yeah, I mean, this was just a complete domination. Rice continued to look incredible. Odegaard dropping a bit deeper. Got himself a goal in this one. Havertz with a goal and an assist. Um, really good stuff. Another solid game for the guys at the back, Kivior and, and Saliba, Gabriel. Ben White, I think, all looked really good. Um, but no trouble, really, for Rye or anything like that. So you don't take a ton from this game. It's fun to watch your team blow five past another team. But, um, yeah, I'm afraid maybe they used a couple too many goals in this one and didn't have any left for Porto, you know, midweek like today. 21 goals in your last five Prem games, Crazy. all wins. You've been pumping the, the goal differential, and now you're second best after Liverpool's performance today puts them back in front. But, I mean, Arsenal are really scary right now with the performances they're putting in, especially when you got Havertz scoring goals. 
That's when you really know it's getting done. Jesus uh, out with that knee injury again. Yep. Trossard, Trossard provides. It's it's really good. There's not really any flaws. Rai is making the one or two saves you need him to make in these matches to keep the clean sheet, which you need. But yeah, there's not, you can't really complain. They're flying high. Now we're seeing with Europe back, we'll see if it affects their performances on the weekend. But um, with the Porto finish, 1-0 to Porto, you, it really makes you guys have to push hard in the second leg now to get through. Um, honestly, Arsenal might be one of the four best or four favorite teams right now in the Champions League, looking yeah. at the rest of the European teams. But um, Burnley, one win in their last 11. They're going to stick with company here on out. It seems like this is a culture thing they're going to build. They're probably going to look to go down and bounce right back up with those parachute payments uh, and come back with company, with a more experienced team, maybe a little bit more investment, and they'll go from there. But it seems like this year is is all all but all but over for them. They're not going to change anything. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one, Newcastle 2, Bournemouth 2, a very, very early uh, or very, very quiet first half, ended in a 2-2 finish with goals from Dom Solanke in the 51st, Anthony Gordon in the 58th, Antoine Semenyo in the 69th, and Matt Ritchie at the death in the 92nd minute to ensure that both of these teams had to share points. Very even game. Newcastle controlled possession. Uh, I wasn't sure you know, who would have the better day in terms of holding the ball. Newcastle definitely looked a little bit better and more comfortable, but they were also the team to concede those two um, you know, earlier goals. Uh, I thought Newcastle would go ahead first. That wasn't the way that it panned out. Bournemouth looked a bit better. They've been having a, a bit of a slide. Um, if, if you want to call it that, they've only taken three points now from their last six games, or rather five games. So not in, you know, uh, great form, especially when you consider how they were through that holiday period, uh, flying high with, with Iriola. But yeah, I, I thought Bournemouth looked very solid. They looked determined, and they were able to get that first one to fall. Penalty, you know, it is what it is. You're, it's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to give up a pen, but that was really the way that Newcastle were able to find their way back into the game. I did think that Bournemouth uh, could see 2-1 out after that goal from Semenyo, but at the death, Matt Ritchie with the equalizer. Very tough uh, to see if you're a Bournemouth fan, and I think Bournemouth fans will probably feel a little bit hard done by considering uh, they were the better team in front of goal. I thought they looked a little bit more poised for attack. They didn't have as many shots uh, total, but they did have more shots on target and they were a little bit more direct. Um, so really tough result for Bournemouth fans, but I'm sure Newcastle, they're looking okay recently. Um, they've taken, I think, eight points out of their last possible 15. Uh, so they're in a decent spot in eighth right now. Uh, right on the cusp of Europe, and you know they'll they'll be happy with that result. Bournemouth, after going seven games unbeaten, six of those winning, uh, six of those being wins. Their last six, they haven't gotten a win. They've really been struggling there. Um, only been score. They've only scored six goals in their last six. It seems like that that form's dropped off heavily. That comes with the injuries. It seems like their fullback play isn't as creative with Adam Smith and Lloyd Kelly being there as we saw when they had Max Ahrens and Milos Kirkes in those positions. I think I'd like to see more of Alex Scott. It's, he showed good bright spots 
when he's gotten the start in the team. He's very creative, driving force out of the midfield. Christie and Cook always give you a solid seven, six or seven on the day, but I think Scott has that X factor to to pull them out of these situations. But when you go to Newcastle, you mentioned their last six games, they've scored 16 goals, which is the third most, only behind Arsenal and Liverpool. But goals against in their last six, they've given up 16, which is third worst, uh, only behind Sheffield and Burnley. And they're tied with New- with uh, Palace there. So it's it's a tale of two, two halves there when you go to their attack. Uh, even without Wilson being injured for a while and Isak, they still get the job done now with Barnes back and Gordon playing the nine and Gimarez from the midfield. But that back line, as we saw last year and at the start of this year, that that consistent uh, efficiency and maybe there's some some effect with Pope not being there. Yeah, it just shows what a strong goalkeeper does for you. Dubrovka, we're seeing, makes errors pretty consistently every other game and uh, can't give you those clean sheets as as often but yeah it just seems like that's what's holding newcastle back it's dropped them now what's that 10 points from the top five which we thought coming from last year top six was a given for them that's where they want to be but now it seems like it's pretty distant of a dream and they're really having to scrap it out there with the likes of brighton and ham and, and chelsea now and even wolves so um fair on the day they have to share the points we'll see what happens moving forward yeah uh okay next one fulham one villa two uh ollie watkins getting it done for the boys your guy who i thought was gonna bury me this week um not like the last time with (laughs) like 70 points against me last time i think um great game from him 23rd and the 56th rodrigo muñiz continued his excellent uh run of form for fulham in the 63rd with a goal and this one was was pretty tight. Um, Fulham looked very solid. They did really well, I think, to to get service to Muniz. Uh, we saw a couple of substitutions late. De Cordova, Reed, Pereira, and Willian all came off. Um, they changed up that front line a little bit. Muniz was the only player to stay on the pitch. Um, looked really good for 90 minutes, I thought. They registered four shots on target on 15 total shots and actually won the possession battle as well. Um Looked great in midfield. Anytime you have Paulinha in there, you're going to battle. Uh, and he was battling against two really talented midfielders on the other side in David Luiz, or not David Luiz, Jesus, Douglas Luiz and John McGinn. Yuri um, Tielemans playing really high up the pitch. What did you think about that one? Yeah, they confirmed earlier in the week that Bubakar Kamara tore his uh, ACL, so he'll be out until the start of next season. So I saw that as an opportunity to pick him up on fantasy. I felt like we saw what he can do with Leicester, and in this team they play very counterattack based, and they're they're a very central team with one or two guys off on the wings, whether it's Bailey or Diaby. But I think he's got that ability. His long shot range is is a asset that not a lot of teams um, have in their team in their. Uh, in their squad depth. So um, he got his assist on the day. He's very creative. He's not afraid to get in and tackle and working along Louise and, and McGinn. I think that's a good trio for them to, to combine with and allow Watkins to roam free. Mm-hmm. Um, Leon Bailey failing to, to kind of make an impact. Same thing with Diaby. Diaby came on late, but wasn't able to really do anything. 
there's a there's an issue here because I think Leon Bailey is just the ultimate super sub. This is not a player, you know, he's been okay at points starting, but he's much better off if you bring him off the bench as fresh fresh legs uh, and let Diaby start. Let him establish a pace and then let Leon come on later or even put him out on the left or he can play striker as well. It's it's odd. I, I didn't necessarily like the 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 effort or, or performance from Bailey, but still able to get three points. Watkins continuing to really prove to me that he's probably England's best number nine at the minute. Harry Kane's dropped a little bit off over in uh, in Munich, so things are weird definitely over there. That's that could be a whole other podcast about Bayern, but uh, yeah, Watkins I think just absolutely world-class great service provider and, and great finisher as well so really good result for villa and an excellent game good good game to watch for sure yeah for fulham unfortunate news with paulinho he picked up his 10th yellow of the season which is now two game suspension for him so he'll be missing their next two which they play man united and brighton so those are crucial matches where the midfield's going to be heavily contested uh, both of those teams play with at least three in the midfield, so uh, I think they're going to be handicapped heavily. Muniz has been popping off. I think that's three games in a row now he scored. With goals, yeah. Um, Burnt Leno continues to be an absolute savage in letting things go by him. I don't know how, but Fulham structurally do well. They limit oppositions to maybe three to five shots on target a game, which is pretty good, but when those three to five shots come, they're going in. He lets in about two <laughs> yeah. or three of those, and it, it's it's crippling. It cost me this weekend, but they just always find a way to stick in these games. But when it matters, it seems like he's become a the the, the doofus or the the, the dunce. I don't yeah. know. I can say a bunch of different synonyms for the case of, without cussing him out, but yeah, it's not good. Um, Robinson bombing down the left side is always great for them. I feel like he's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, it's been awesome. And it's good going into a, a Copa America that's in the U.S. this year. It's going to be great for him to come in high form. Um, but, yeah, not much off the bench. We finally saw Dama Traore get back into action. Um, his first his uh, first appearance in a while. That's his sixth for Fulham this year with a total of 61 minutes. So, uh yeah, we're not really seeing him anymore, like back in the Wolves Yeah, days. it's done. He's cooked. I feel like that's something they can take advantage of with, a, I guess, if they want to play. I mean, it's kind of what they're doing already, playing the last 10-15, burst of pace, a little physicality down the right wing, get across him. But uh, you're ultimately going to get that efficiency from Willian's side with Robinson overlapping. But yeah, Villa on the day get a nice away win, which they haven't gotten too many of those, but... It uh, keeps him in the top four, and especially when Tottenham's slipping up. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Nottingham Forest to West Ham nil. Um, a scoreline that doesn't necessarily look like it was a slaughter, but let me assure you it was a complete domination of West Ham. They looked absolutely horrendous. Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that. That's what they keep singing. Um, it's just not looking great for West Ham uh, and all the bubbles at the minute. Goals from Taiwo Awanyi in the 45th and another from uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi in the 94th um, being the difference in this one. Calvin Phillips also managed to get himself a red card. Life at West Ham has not started off uh, on the right foot for, for Calvin Phillips. 
Um, but a domination uh, by Nottingham Forest. 19 shots, eight of those falling on target. Um, just three shots on target for West Ham and 10 total shots. They are lacking a genuine, healthy, legitimate striker so, so badly. Um, without it, they are just going to struggle to involve the players behind him. Uh, Bowen, Ward-Prowse, Kudus all failed to make an effect, I thought, on this game. Um, Edson Alvarez continues to be somewhat shaky in terms of tackling. Doesn't necessarily get on the ball when he needs to. I, I think he makes a ton of poor challenges. He's not a great ball handler either. Uh, that back line, tons of holes. Zuma has been consistently solid, I would say. Um, for a majority of the year, but he has a ton of experience. These other guys, Aguerd, not up to the standard at all. Uh, Sufal, aging, Emerson, just not a great player. I mean, you know all about Emerson. Um, yeah, it's it's really just poor for West Ham at the minute, and I think a lot of the um, challenges that they face could be solved by having uh, an actually functioning striker it doesn't have to be anybody insane or fancy but they have to get somebody better than Mikel Antonio because they can't take Bowen out of the midfield and throw him up there they can't throw Ben Johnson in when they want to move players around he's terrible Cornet is not good enough Ings aged not great had a couple of good seasons it's it's just not good they're attacking players outside of Kudus I think are just very poor uh, and it's going to continue to to haunt them for the rest of the season. They have to buy somebody this summer to stick up top or they're going to be in trouble. They now have only uh, taken two points out of their last possible 15. That is a terrible look. Oh, I'm, I'm happy because it's allowing Chelsea to catch up and get another position, but also at the same time, it's that's all they can do right now. They sold all their depth for, on the wings. In January, getting rid of Ben Rama and Fornells. They are dealing with an unfortunate issue with Paqueta now, still being out until mid-March at least. So I think once he comes back, that allows you to make that change. They've been playing with Bowen up front with Antonio out for a while, and that was getting getting results for them. But that also, they need Paqueta and Kudus on the wings, and then Ward-Prowse in behind to really allow everybody to do their jobs correctly. But I think ultimately every game recently we've been seeing, when they're building out of the back, it's very slow. Uh, Phillips and Alvarez aren't doing the job. Alvarez, especially, um, longer in this team, still can't find his footing, getting a consistent good uh, performance in. Coming from Ajax, he was a guy that potentially Chelsea was looking at for a moment. Uh, dodged a bullet there, Mexican international, and they're not really helping him. I mean... They've had so much time with Moyes now. He's built a team in his likeness and to how they want to play. But ultimately, like you talk about terrorist ball, and when they want to play nice, yeah. these guys just can't. And the the injuries on top of that don't help. And now with uh, Phillips getting a double yellow, he'll miss their next game. Uh, they play Brentford, I think, on Monday, which is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Two teams that very physical, very brute one-esque. Um, maybe a little more credit to Brentford the way they've been sticking it out defensively against the Liverpool and City for long periods of the game before things can kind of get out of hand. But yeah, Antonio up front needs to get some fitness back in his legs until we really get to see um, more out of them. But yeah, I guess giving more credit to Forrest, this, they were desperate for a win here. 
um, trying to get out of that relegation zone where everybody else is kind of getting points on them. But now this puts them four points clear of the drop. Uh, Wani getting a big goal. Hudson Adoy's been on fire the last three, four games now. This is pretty much their constant lineup, I would say. That 11 you see out there. Um, funnily enough, Nuno Tavares being out there, every time this guy gets a shot or approaches a ball, you just know he's sending it 30 yards above the goal. It doesn't matter if it's on his strong foot or his weak foot. This guy doesn't know how to properly hit the ball, and it's hilarious every time. And credit to them, it's a big clean sheet for Sells. I think that's his first since he's been here. So, um, yeah, that's a team. this is a team I'd like to see stick around, and hopefully Reyna can get some t- more time in the team, especially if they're getting results their way. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one. Tottenham 1, Wolves 2. Uh, unfortunately for Spurs fan, the Spurs fans, the pain continues. Jao Gomez with a goal in the 42nd. Kulisevsky answered quickly in the 46th. But Jao Gomez putting the team on his back, scored again in the 63rd. Tottenham <laughs> controlled almost all of the ball. They had four shots on target and 15 shots total. But... Wolves did that thing, that counterattacking ball that we know they can play so well, and were able to get the job done. We saw the return of one Huang He Chan back from the Asian Cup. Sarabia at Cam and Neto at Cam as well. Played a five at the back, defended when they had to, and were just able to get enough on the counter and funnel the ball back out, finish when they had to. Gomez with a brace, a great game for him. Lamina, I thought, looked solid next to him, and the back line was good enough. That's all they needed was good enough. They managed to get three points out of this one. Tottenham, I thought, had a great chance to jump up a little bit here. If they had won this game, they'd be level on points with Aston Villa, tied for fourth, and instead they fall flat and are unable to get the job done. So does there need to be a dialogue on this Ange fellow? Or, you know, is this just growing pains and, and part of what it's going to be? I don't. I still think he's a good manager, but... I'm starting to see there's a little bit more sentiment, you know, across the, the Twitterverse and on the internet that if you play the way that Ange wants to play, then chances are you're going to get bit. And we have known that. And we know that's just the way that it's going to be. And I still think fourth is a great finish. You know, if they finish in and around fourth in the European spots, I don't know how upset you can really be, especially coming from what you had with Conte last year and losing Kane. Um, I think it's a little bit harsh. Yeah, that's pretty much everything I would say exactly. Um, you see, you knew, I mean, you didn't know what you were signing up for, but um, a manager that you knew very little or anything at all about, as Australian coach for a long time, club over there as well, and then the recent Celtic man. There wasn't too much uh, about him that I would say hardly anybody knew, and as you mentioned, losing Harry Kane, a guy that's going to give you 20 to 30 goals in the league, no matter what your team is, is a lot. And for them to be challenging for the top four still is is a, a great thing from him and this team. And they're still going with through injury issues. Both their fullbacks are going to be out for another match, another match or two, I think. So I think overall they played well. This is just how how it's going to be. They they overcommit. They they really go for it and. One mistake cost him in that uh, counterattack on the second goal. It was just Basuma got caught on the ball, half balance, quick poke away from him, and they countered. And Pedronetto blistering out, put down the wing. Unfortunately, Vandeven wasn't near him because he's the quickest guy in the league. 
um, was just a little bit too far behind to get to him in time, and they hit the cut back, and that was the winner. So it's just um, it's unfortunate for them. They tried their best, and maybe Madison still isn't back to full fitness. We're seeing Sun now. I think this is his first start back in the team since uh, after the Asian Cup, and and we're finally seeing Richarlson in with this full start and lineup again. He was getting goals when all these guys weren't here. Or he was get yeah he was getting goals when all these guys weren't in the team but now this is a hundred percent the team and you need him to keep that form up it yeah. just wasn't their day so um, credit to Wolves they're keeping pace they got a six point gap now from Fulham in behind on their level with Chelsea and they're in striking distance of a European finish right there in seventh and three behind Brighton so Gary O'Neill up there for manager of the year with me he came on came in with like a week's notice of the season starting and. This team's churning out results, and they've been fighting injuries here and there. And I think Cunha's been ruled out for the rest of the season, I think, with his injury. Or no, no. He's out until, like, mid-March. So um, they're getting the job done, and credit to them. Yeah. All right, Matt, I'm going to hand the next couple over to you and let you lead the discussion. Uh, Tell us about Man City 1, Chelsea 1. Yep, we finished the year now without taking a defeat to Man City. Not a lot of teams can say that every season. And mm-hmm. a 1-1 draw um, before the game, if you told me, we I would have snapped your wrist at it. But in the fact, as it goes normally in any type of draw, especially against these big teams, you uh, unfortunately get a little bit of bitterness left in your mouth after the result. So um, the first half was great from us. Um, the same team, I believe. Only uh, Jackson was up front there with Sterling on the left. Everybody else was the same from the previous game. No Thiago Silva again. Uh, and we're getting positive results there. But um, yeah, it, it, Moises Caicedo, another yellow there for you on that agenda. But he has to be. And then a quick counter down the right. Nico Jackson with a perfect ball to Sterling. One-on-one with his, his former teammate Walker. A little cutback, top bins. Uh, you you always kind of know those former players are dying to play against their former clubs, and Sterling on the day did it to them. And uh, Cole Palmer did okay. Petrovic made a bunch of difficult saves. Man City in total, thirty one shots, only five on target. Fourteen of them were blocked. It was all hands on deck, and I think the thing that ultimately cost us was the subs. Yeah, and that's what I've been hearing, and it makes sense. They logically make sense. You put. You start taking your attacking guys off in the 65th, 70th minute, and Kunku coming on, I'm okay with. He's a guy that can hold up the play, gives a little bit of X factor, can can make a difference. But Trev Chalaba hasn't played a match in months. This was his first appearance this year in all comps. Yeah. Away at Man City, you're up 1-0, and you're asking him for 20 to 25 minutes to, to do to give an A-plus performance against potentially the best team in the world right now, as well as taking off Nico Jackson for, for Cesar Castell, who has been out on loan the first half of the year with Leicester, and this was only his second game in the league, and you're asking him to put 10 to 15 minutes in. Yeah. And ultimately it cost us. It was too much. Eventually they get a deflected goal there from Rodri, as they do. The big, the guy that scores the biggest goals when it matters, and then from there on, Holland missed two to three sitters headers from the six to eight yards out. One in the first half, one towards the latter half of the game, and ultimately it was in our favor and it saved us a point. But 
at the same time, the management costs us a point. I think a lot of people will argue. I think we would agree on Pochettino making the subs in the 70th minute is a little too soon. I think give him another 10 before you make anything drastic like that. Give us a chance on the counter a little bit. If you're only leaving us Connor Gallagher and 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 yeah, just Connor Gallagher and and Kunku up there on the counter, it's it's you're you're not helping us. But um, for me, I would say man of the match for Chelsea would be Gusto. He absolutely clamped down Doku. Uh, was great, great down that right as well as the Zazi. Those guys did phenomenal. Uh, but we held Man City to a point. It helps the title race go even more down to the wire. And uh, yeah, we did a favor for the league. Yeah, uh, you did. I, I appreciate that. And I will say, I think, you know, <laughs> this was obviously the game for City. You know, they were going to have to lose it. And I didn't really feel that way at the end. I, I thought Chelsea genuinely in that first half played well enough, especially compared to the standards this year, to take a point. And I think the subs actually, you know, trying to sit back instead of playing how they had been playing um, and getting forward and at least giving it a chance, you know, getting a goal in. When they switched back and they started to just sit and contain and contain and contain, I knew that something was going to happen for City. I think as an Arsenal fan, I'm very blessed that, you know, they didn't get more than a goal because they probably deserved more than a goal in the last 20 minutes. Um, Holland, bit of a ghost job again, just not able to get it done. But yeah, really just, you got to be happy as a Chelsea fan to see your team at least show up and, and battle against a, a team like City. They are just not easy to beat and you were able to hold them to a goal and a lot of teams hold City to no goals for 60 minutes and then completely fall apart. Well, but I think they said before the game, Man City hasn't uh, finished a game at home without scoring a goal since 2021. That's not surprising. I mean, and they have continues. they they have probably the best team in European football. They have maybe Madrid has a better team, but. They have essentially three teams. Look at how much money Chelsea have spent. They don't have, they can't bring an entire 11 off the bench and, and put them out there and be like, yeah, these 11 guys could play, you know, and still be competitive. City do. And besides, even Madrid don't have that. Barcelona don't have that anymore. Arsenal don't have it. Chelsea don't have it. United don't have it. Nobody does. Maybe Bayern, but. It, it's just really hard to beat them because they have so much quality in every position and they're stacked essentially too deep in every position. They've got five good center backs. They've got good DMs, good midfielders that can play in a pivot, good wingers. We didn't see, you know, you're not seeing Grealish. You didn't even see him come in the game. He was, he, I mean, I think he's injured at the minute, but like, it's just insane how much quality they have and, I think Chelsea, you got to be really happy to take a point, and I'm really happy you took a point. That's good stuff. Yeah, the last two things I'll say is one, that foot save from Ederson in the second half. Yeah, if that goes in, we're up two nil. It's a whole different game. That just shows how good of a goalie he is, and the few moments that are asked of him, and nine times out of ten, he makes that save. So, yep. And then the second one is towards the public. I mean. The, the reaction to 
the result and the performance, obviously, we all know it's not consistent. It's not up to the standard we'd like. But they were making it seem like this was like Sheffield United this year getting this result. It's like the quality's there. On, there's going to come a point where the management cracks it down on these players. And figures and they, it out, they, yeah. You're, you're professional athletes. You're paid to do this. This is your life goal. They were on national television for that game. It was the highlighted game of the week. They're going to show up. They have pride. It's not like they're. everybody thinks they get paid. It's done. I mean, you have a reputation to uphold if you want to continue. Yeah. Obviously. Obvious, most of these players aren't going to be here in the next three to five years. That's what we planned for them to be. But maybe some of them are thinking this: this I'll put in a good shift here, a couple years of good performances, then I'll move on to Madrid, City, whatever. Yeah, they're not going to get those moves if they continue to do bullshit. I think that's that's a good way to look at it. Um, I I think did I pick a draw? Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, so good sharp, sharp pick. I mean, I I thought Chelsea would show up. There, there are players on this team that I I like that I think are really good. We've made it very clear how we feel about Cole Palmer. I think pretty much everybody, you know, has at least been uh, kind of forced to give him a little bit of respect. But you look at this team; they're still quality players. It's just not worked all that great this season. This is a team that has tremendous pedigree. They've won a ton of Premier Leagues in the modern era. They've won two European trophies in the modern era, two Champions Leagues, not not just any European trophy, Champions Leagues within the last 15 years. This is a... Europa a, League, too. And a Europa League, that's true. So three, actually, European trophies. Um, a team of tremendous stature, no matter you know how I feel about them or how the footballing world feels about them. Chelsea aren't you know universally loved. There's not a ton of respect from a lot of sides there, but um, it's a good team and they have a high pedigree. It's not going to be shitty forever. And games like this, when you show up and you fight against the juggernaut that literally everybody hates at this point. It endears them a little bit, I think. Uh, people are still going to hate them. I still hate Chelsea, but I ha- you have to show them a little bit of respect. They fought for the point, and, and they fucking got one. Sunday's going to be a, a turning point, I would say. If we can win that game, win a cup yeah, all the, with this man, with this team and the coaches, I think that'll, be, that'll go a long way with the faith for Poch. Yeah. Um, obviously, they have the... Liverpool and the media and all them can have that little loophole of, well, they didn't have Salah and Nunes and Allison and blah, blah, blah. But they've, they've put out those types of teams in these cups before, and we've lost the last two against these guys in pens. So hopefully it can get done in regulation. Chelsea doesn't play another Prem game until March now. We got the Carabao final, and then we have a FA Cup game against Leeds. Yeah, so potential league double. Who knows? Um, all right, next one, Sheffield United, nil, Brighton, five. Uh, I'll run through this one quick. Bonanate with a goal in the 20th that probably wasn't really his. Well, before kind of, that. Kind of a tap-in. Oh, my goodness, I forgot about this. Mason Holgate with the Brexit means Brexit tackle of the year, um, kicking the ever-living fuck out of Karumatoma. I, I actually don't know what was going through his mind. Um Ball was out towards Matoma. Holgate just like raised his leg to like chest height and then stamped down, kicked across. 
Um, Matoma got him right in the knee. I thought was extremely lucky not to hurt Matoma. Um, but a straight red, you know, after it was actually a yellow initially, and then given a straight red after it went to VAR. Uh, moment of complete madness and actually the turning point uh, in disaster for Sheffield United. After that, we saw Buonanate open the scoring in the 20th, Danny Welbeck in the 24th, an own goal in the 75th, and then two goals from the young player of uh, the AFCON tournament. He was awarded that, uh, Simon Adingra, with goals in the 78th and 85th, actually on Matt's bench, which you hate to see. Uh, but but yeah, a, a true, just absolute cookout, 24 shots to Sheffield's six, uh, 10 shots to Sheffield's or 10 shots on target to Sheffield's one and 80% possession for Brighton. They made a ton of subs, uh, brought on, uh, Yaka motor at the back for Lamptey. Uh, we saw Billy Gilmore get subbed out. Uh, Purvis Estupignan made an appearance. Evan Ferguson made an appearance. He probably had a chance to tap one in, uh, but was unable to do so. It, it would have been a, a steal on one of Adingra's goals. But yeah, there's not a lot to say here other than Sheffield. I think genuinely, we say this almost every week, are the worst Premier League team I've ever seen. Burnley are really bad. Sheffield are worse. There is just, there's such a lack of organization. And the minute that red card happened, I was like, yeah, they're just going to fold. And who wouldn't fold? I mean, that's such a fucking ridiculous mistake to make. Um, they deserve to lose 10 nil, honestly, after that. Yeah, they're, once again, they're breaking records. They've given up the most goals up to this point in the year. They've given up 65 goals in 25 matches. They're averaging just under three goals against a game. They've given up 18 in their last six, which is exactly three goals a game against. Uh, the only highlight I give them on the day is seeing uh, Tom Davies off the bench, formerly of Everton, with the landing strip haircut and getting into a fight a little bit. It's but, a terrible um, cut, man. Terrible cut. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing. I don't know how you go in that locker room and get the guys motivated for the next match. I mean, they recently picked up their first win in a while against Luton there at Luton, which was a big shock to a lot of people, but. The, the fixtures continue to go against them. Their next, next was at four. They got Wolves away. They're home, but against Arsenal. And then they're at Bournemouth and at United. So um, I don't see a match coming up until at the end of March against their host in Fulham, where I can consider maybe something happening for them. But they still got a lot of big names to play. And I, I don't know. We're. It's not going to be a record lowest finish, I think. I think the record was 14 points, but we could see the most goals against in a season. We're going to, I think they're on track for well over 100 against. They are way, way, way past the pace. So um, that'll be interesting. At least they'll have one record at the end of the season. All right. Tell us about Luton Town 1, Man United 2. That was a good one. Yeah. Game that. Right from the jump, kind of caught you by surprise. If you weren't there immediately, Hoyland started the game and after seven minutes with a brace. Uh, in the first minute, I, I believe it was like a long ball clearance from Casemiro. Yeah. Uh, the defender, Bell, mishit it back, and Hoyland is in one-on-one, showed his composure. And then in the seventh minute, uh, off a corner, came out Garnacho with a, a wild shot, deflected in by Hoyland, which... I don't know if you agree if that was meant or not. It was uh, he, cold. That's a cold finish. 
Yeah, so that's uh, six straight games in all comps for Hoyland with goals. Uh, he scored in seven of his last eight, and that's since Boxing Day. So he's been firing. It seems like something's clicked for him. Maybe it's knowing that he's the only guy they can rely on now that Martial's out indefinitely, and Rashford's going to be sticking on the wing. So I guess that gives him the confidence moving forward. But uh, Luton in the 14th got a got a reply there. And then from there on out, it was back and forth. Unfortunate injury. We saw Luke Luke uh, Luke Shaw come out in the half. It seems like he might have re-aggravated an injury, and there's talks potentially he might be out for the rest of the season, which might exclude him from the Euros, which is unfortunate. Um, Casemiro getting a yellow. His reactions to getting carded are the wildest thing I've been seeing. I don't know why he reacts so crazy, but... um. I think Maguire as well. Yeah, Maguire came off at the half. He seemed a little bit off. So we got early appearances from McTominay and Evans. But yeah, Man United could have had at least six goals to Luton's maybe two or three. We we saw 22 shots in Luton's favor to 21 with United. Nine on target for United. Only four for Luton. Bruno Fernandez should have had a goal. Had two great opportunities. Garnacho had a few. Mm-hmm. Rashford had one. Hoyland could have made a hat trick. But uh, ultimately, wasn't in their favor. But they get the three points. That's what matters. Funnily enough, Luton outpossessed United 58-41. to 41. And, I mean, it, they get the job done when they need it, United. They're cooking now. That's four straight games with a win. Five unbeaten. They're only three behind Tottenham. Only five from finishing the top four. This was a team eight weeks ago where we were thinking, Ten Hag out. Yeah, well, it's never too late to to fire the Ten Hog out engines back up. Um, you know how things go here. It, all it takes is one bad result, and everybody's back on fire Ten Hog. But uh, this team has just been absolutely ballooned by the emergence of um, Rasmus Hoyland. He's picked up uh, all the slack that Marcus Rashford has, has kind of left in his wake. Um He's just been unbelievable. Their chance creation from the wings, especially through Garnacho, I think has been much improved. And that's part of why they're able to get, you know, uh, Hoyland involved so much in the center as well. You have to guard Garnacho. It it allows Hoyland to make runs and, and be open. His finishing, I think, has been absolutely excellent. Um whether he was worth seventy mil, I think probably no. still remains to be seen. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And you know, I I was talking to to Boz, who is a United fan, uh, and has has been on this show before, and and Tim, who's a Chelsea fan like you. And if you look at at Nico's uh, goal contributions in the league versus Hoyland's, Nico's still clear of him, and he hasn't played as many games, and he's also forty mil cheaper. So. Yeah, I'm not going to do a full apology for Hoyland, but I will say he's a better player than I thought he would be, and he's been absolutely instrumental uh, in helping United stay afloat in this very turbulent season. Uh, things have turned, uh, you know, more so around, I think, in the front office. I think people are a little bit happier with the uh, addition of Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who now owns 28% of the club, 27.7 to be exact. 
huge um, influx of cash and his effect, I think, in the boardroom is going to be felt. Hopefully, you know, if you are a um, just observer of the league, you would hope United improve next year, maybe buy a couple more players who can improve uh, their team or at least improve their depth. And yeah, I thought in terms of the game, you know, very solid, just solid, not as many mistakes as you would have expected. They didn't wilt, uh, you know, they didn't continue to score after Morris got one back, but they were able to defend. I think Maguire and Varane are probably your best bet back there. I know that's crazy to say Maguire's not been great and Varane's hardly played, um, but he looks good. Kobe Minu looks great. Casemiro is causing a lot of havoc, but I think was solid as well. So, you know, you get a little bit more out of Rashford. You get a little bit more in terms of contributions out of Bruno Fernandes. And this team is, like you said, you know, right on the cusp of top four. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they finish uh, within the top four. Yeah, I think come the end of the year, Hoyland's numbers are going to be better than Nico's if I had to put money on it now. Well, they should be, shouldn't they? If he costs 40 mil more. I'm just saying in yeah. total, not not they're not looking at their price tags, but I just think his he'll have more goals and assists than Jackson. Well, he's a to be fair. Let let's um you know look at this objectively. Hoyland's definitely a little bit more in control. He looks to have a little bit more control over his body. Um, Nico Jackson is still very raw. When I look at him, I just see an extremely raw player that needs to be molded a little bit more. And Poch may or may not be the guy to mold him, but in terms of his physical attributes, his pace, um, his power, he could be extremely good. Very, very good and a great buy for 30 mil. So we'll see. We There's plenty of development that needs to be done for Nico Jackson. Uh, we'll see if it gets done or if it doesn't get done. But, you know, like you said, they're probably comparable in that they came in at the same time. They're both young um, and kind of play the same role. But I think Hoyland definitely, I'd probably back him to, to have more goals and assists at the end of the season too. Yeah. He's just a little bit more complete at the minute. I think a little bit more of a finished product. And I don't mean finished product in a bad way. I mean it in a good way for once. Uh, okay, Everton won, Crystal Palace won uh, a game that had me shaking in my boots because Dwight McNeil and James Tarkowski absolutely cooked out. 1-1, uh, bit shocking here. I, I thought um, it could be a mess. This was, uh, I think, Patty McCarthy was actually the manager for Palace. They're, they, yeah. they brought on... Um, Oliver Glasner, who was the manager of Eintracht Frankfurt when they won the Europa League, uh, he hasn't stepped in yet. Roy has stepped down. We'll probably see Glasner, I guess, at the helm next week. Um, because they didn't say McCarthy's going to be the ter- uh, caretaker manager until the end of the season. Is that correct? No, they were just saying he's the interim manager for the night and until they announce the new coach. Yeah, so I saw that that they did announce him finally. I don't think the press conference has been, uh, you know, completed yet, but he is signed on, so he'll be uh he'll be the manager moving forward, which is a great great sign for Palace. They've got some direction now. Uh, Ayu with a goal in the 66th, and then Amadou Onana, uh, with a goal off the bench in the 84th minute. 
Odd game. Uh, both teams with four shots on target. Everton possessed a majority of the ball. Uh, I still think probably looked better than Palace did. Uh, but they were the ones to, to get the first goal. So I don't really know what you thought about this one. It wasn't pretty. There wasn't a lot of great football being played. There was a lot of um, just kick the ball out, DCL wins possessions. He, you know he won 17 aerial duels in this game? That's the most I've ever seen by a striker, ever. Yeah, this was the most English game. It was horrible. It was the bad. First 10 to 15 minutes was out of control. There was no 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 tempo of the game it was very route one there was a lot of turnovers going back and forth like one to two passes brexit ball yeah yeah and i think that played in favor of everton what they do in dice ball but it was the game for palace went exactly how it did like against chelsea in their previous match they weren't really getting a lot of things going without eze and elise uh, and not having the same security with Gahey in the back. They had to go with a five back here. Chris Richards in the back did really well in his position, but they got a, a goal out of nowhere, a, a great individual strike from Ayu, put him up, and then they kind of battered, battened down the hatches, and ultimately that's what cost them against Chelsea, and that's what happened here. Onana getting that goal on the corner. It was, uh, you could argue Everton could, Everton could have had a second as well. Tarkowski had one late. Um, Jack Harrison coming off the bench was great. But yeah, ultimately it wasn't enough. And I don't know, it's tough. I don't know where this Palace team goes from here now. Um, Eze should be coming back within the next match or two. I think he's at listed for year four. Early March, yeah. Yeah, they're saying he'll be at, he'll potential return is march 2nd so he'll be out for this weekend's game but we'll be back for the next but i think this is a perfect time for glesner to come in he's a ralph ragnick guy i think i heard mm -hmm. he comes from that philosophy with with the uh, gag and press that's correct but they made the point this palace is this is one of the oldest teams in the league and it takes a lot of energy to do that type of pressing so i don't know how that's going to roll in the locker room but when Eze comes back, it'll add it'll add a little bit, but still, Elise is going to be out until April, I think. And I don't know. It's a perfect game for him to come up against Burnley this weekend at home as well for Palace. So it's a must must win three pointer there for them to get some sort of breathing room. This was the same time as last year when Roy Hodgson came in. So ultimately, we'll see if he gets a similar run of games where he can rattle off a win and a win and a draw for their sake, but. I don't know. Um, for Everton, it's tough. They still are. They jump out of the, the the bottom three here with the point. They're head on goal differential, but um, Ducore being back now is good. DCL being involved, I think this is the longest we've seen him be fit. He still hasn't scored a goal since October. The goal he scored against Spurs was altered to a Jack Harrison goal right on the goal line. He stole it from him, so. He's desperate to score a goal. That's what they've been really missing is that consistent goal-scoring effort from him. We've talked about it in the past multiple occasions. He's he scored 10 to 15 goals in the league before for multiple years. But they don't have the consistent flow on the goal front. So I think, yeah, they're the, they've scored the third fewest goals this year in the league. They're only ahead of Burnley and Sheffield there, um, which is tough. So um, 
their back line's going to have to save them at the end of the day here. And I think that's, what is that now? That's seven, eight straight games without a win. Very, Everton. very, very tough. Not great. And we've got decisions coming down the pike as well for um, the good old uh, points deductions. Okay, let's move on. Man City 1, Brentford nil. Brentford tried to hold them out, but unfortunately, 25 shots and 11 shots on target are eventually going to result in a goal, especially when the man up top is Erling Holland. He was the one uh, that turned on a breakaway uh, that started actually from Uncle Neil Mopai. Thanks, Neil, you fucker. Uh, giving the ball away, errant pass. Ball found its way to Erling Holland, took it wide, and finished calmly past. Um, the <clears throat> Brentford keeper, whose name is eluding me, Mark Flecken, of course, uh, added another uh, with a header late, but it was ruled offside uh, through VAR. Very quiet game, I thought, from Brentford. Tony struggled to make any sort of effect whatsoever. We saw uh, Johan Wiesa up top alongside him, very quiet. And the creative players, Roarslev, um, Janelt, Norgard, just just not good enough. They didn't create enough chances. They only had two shots on target, 30% possession. Nobody expected Brentford to come down uh, and do the job here. They've got they've still got four losses in their last five games since Tony's come back. So still not playing great. They've been better. They've got 25 points. They've been better, but not not really up to the standard. And City now uh, with four wins in their last five on 56 points, complete slaughter. Brentford here. I mean, you mentioned their last five games, but when you look at paper against the teams they played, that lost at Spurs, two losses to City, and a loss to Liverpool, they got a nice win over Wolves. So you would you would look at those and say, yeah, that's fair. So they got out of that rough patch. They're 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 safe right now. I think they're five points clear of the drop right now. Yeah, they're yeah they're five clear of the drop. They get a game against West Ham now. Which is the perfect team to play against? They're they're really crumbling at the moment, and they get more matches in their favor. I think they play Chelsea soon. That can go their way easily, depending on the day Chelsea feels like to show up or not. So, I think Tony fits in fine. He's really made a difference for them. Uh, having Vs back is good. They're still waiting on Mbomo, who's not going to come back for another month. So, once he comes back, I think we're ultimately going to see that front three get back into formation. What they did, they could do that in games coming up maybe they throw Lewis Potter out on the left and go with a 4-3-3 but I guess they might not feel safe with Pinnock out as well so we'll have to wait and see what Thomas Frank decides but three points for City that's their game in hand back they're only one point ahead of Arsenal but Liverpool four points clear them but they already played a game uh out of uh they have a game uh used already up so um we'll see it's it's looking good that, that three horse race yeah, three-horse race. It's still tight. Good stuff. Uh, and then our final game of the week today, Liverpool 4, Luton Town 1. Uh, shockingly, Chidozier Ogbene with the opener in the 12th minute. Liverpool had to wait quite some time. In fact, it was after halftime in the 56th minute when Virgil van Dijk steered one in. 
Uh, shout out Big Verge. Gakpo added another in the 58th, and it was curtains from there. Luis Diaz celebrating with his father scored in the 71st, and Harvey Elliott, a substitute appearance, scored another in the 90th minute. Second half, I thought Liverpool looked absolutely unbelievable. 13 shots on target, 29 shots total, held majority of the ball at 62%. Luton, although they looked dangerous for maybe a minute, were just not able to keep up the pace. Three shots on target for them total, 12 shots uh, overall. Very, very poor in defense. Uh, Some of those guys that, you know, were really cooking earlier on this season, Alfie Doughty, uh, Ross Barkley, who we've talked about a lot, just not really great in this one, where you're seeing Tahith Chong uh, be involved a little bit more. Cauley Woodrow, who's very old, uh, starting up top. Carlton Morris opting to play behind him. Uh, yeah, not not great stuff here. They're, they're certainly not the dangerous, organized, controlled set-piece monster that we started to see a little bit during the holiday period. Uh, things have dried up a little bit for them and without Elijah Adebayo it's it's a real loss for them so no surprises that Liverpool won this one I think the first half was a little bit shocking and that that opening goal was definitely a little bit shaky um because Liverpool didn't really turn it on until the second half but it doesn't matter you got all three points and uh you scored enough goals to kind of overtake goal differential again so good stuff I don't know how I feel about that Collie Woodrow comment because I looked. He's 29 and I'm turning 28 this year. Wait. So I don't know how, how I should feel about Ma- that. Maybe I'm talking, maybe I'm thinking about the long guy. Maybe it was because he hadn't played a game. He hadn't played a top flight game, I think, in a long time. Yeah, they said like 10 years. He was okay. Okay. That's so my mistake. He's not that old. He just hasn't played in the Prem in a long time. My apologies. Sorry, man. I will say, I will say, your boy Lakonga has been playing well in the last. Nah, few I, I, he he doesn't move the needle for me. He may look good. He may he may look okay controlling Luton's midfield, but he's certainly not up to to top five club standard. Well, obviously, I mean, what he's only he's young. He's only, he's twenty four. He's at that point where we're now like you're thinking one to two years at, at a level like this, and maybe he gets a move up somewhere. He, he got a young start there at, at Arsenal five years ago or four years ago when yeah, they brought him in. He was shocking. He had his chance. He couldn't get it done, but I think he's been doing reasonably well for where he's at with yeah. Ross Barkley in there. Um, my man, old Beaner, did good. He did what he could, but as soon as Liverpool started cranking it on, got those two goals in quick succession, it was over. There was nothing they could have done. The, the dam broke and, and the floodgates opened. So we saw some rest, rest, uh, or sorry, Klopp make some decisions to take guys out earlier than normal to rest them for the cup game on Sunday. Connor Bradley's been really stepping up for them. He came out for Robertson, who didn't start. Konate didn't even play. Uh, Kwanzaa got in there. He got, a, he got a nice job done. And again, McAllister, two assists here, is getting involved heavily in the attack. He's been really cooking it up and... We'll see what lineup they put out. I'm sure that midfield three is going to be the three that plays come Sunday. Same with the back line. You just throw Robertson and, and Konate in there. And we're going to have to wait and see if it's a game-time decision, if Nunez and Salah are fit to play. Hopefully they're not. Uh, and we'll take our chances there. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, dom- they demolished Luton. I feel like Luton are still in a, a decent spot. They're only 
they're tied there with Everton, but I think Forrest and Palace are still not safe. Luton gets one or two results. It, it's a mental game now. If you can get three points when the other teams aren't, I think it can go a long way for them. I think they're still in the cup too. They play Man City in the FA Cup. That's their next game. I think that, yeah, next, what was that? Next, in the midweek next week, they play host to Man City and then they play host to Villa. So it's not looking good the next couple games for them. They get a game against Palace and Bournemouth to follow that makeup game. So they'll have to run those games up, but I still feel like they're playing good. Like you mentioned, Adebayo being out hurts. Woodrow's not adding much at all. Chong is doing okay, um, but Townsend off the bench isn't enough. Clark mm-hmm. isn't enough. Um, and then potentially Dowdy had to come out. He got injured. He picked up a knock. He came off in the 74th, which isn't good to see, uh, considering how key he is. I think he's in the top three or top five with chance creations this year. Um, he's up there with Ward Prowse. So he's a guy they need to find any success in the league. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. <clears throat> that is all in terms of recap. Uh, best and worst of the week. For me, best of the week would have to go. Um... There's not as many as I would think. Yeah. But um, I think I would have to go right off the rip. I'd think Adingra coming off of such a high with winning the AFCON and then scoring a brace. Not saying much against Sheffield, but still coming back and getting right back into being a professional. So I'll give it to Adingra. Keep him on a high. Adingra, good stuff. Yeah, really, really good, I thought, from him. Um, I will give it to... This is a tough one. Uh, I, I'd like to probably go with an Arsenal player, but I'm not going to. That that game was just complete shit. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna give it to. I'm gonna shout out fucking uh, Jean Paul Van Heck uh, for Brighton. Another Brighton player. Pickup of the century. Got it done for me this week. I thought, you know what? Maybe we'll get a clean sheet, but regular second this year. I know. <laughs> I know. And he registered a shit ton of key passes and. Him and uh, Lewis Dunk were just rolling and controlling. They looked great back there together. So uh, that's a bit of a troll. But he actually, he did look really good. So I'll give it to Jean-Paul Van Heck. What a performance from the young man. Uh, that, plays in, that plays into my worst player of the week, Mason Holgate. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the worst tackle you'll see this year. Any reasonable person would probably give it to, to Mason Holgate. Um, I might actually give it to to Flecken or or Leno, maybe Leno. Uh, he's just been Leno's been really poor. This has been a return to um Arsenal Leno, and at the beginning of the year, I think a lot of people were looking at him and saying, you know, this guy he's not bad, you know, and doing well. He he was doing really well, but he's returned back down to earth. Burn Leno was an extremely good keeper in the Bundesliga, very very good, and he came to Arsenal and was just absolutely shocking. Doesn't help that we had terrible players, uh, kind of playing in front of him, but um, yeah, he's been very poor down the past couple of weeks and. Uh, I'll give it to Leno. Probably could give it to Flecken too because he makes a shit ton of mistakes. But uh, it'll we'll we'll go with Burned. I think I saw when Arteta first took over, or like 
nine, eight, nine years ago, like your starting back five was like Leno, David Luiz, Socrates, yeah. Maitland Niles, and Saka. Yeah, Saka was uh, a left wing back or right wing back. Yeah. I'll never forget the first couple games that Saka played. And I was like, holy fuck. This this guy plays this far back. I mean, he was he was so good. That was uh that was the the start of something for sure. Uh okay, let's uh let's do our picks, shall we? Yep. All right, Crystal Palace versus Burnley on Saturday, February 24th, 10 a.m. Games at Selhurst Park. Key spot for the new manager bounce. You can pencil me in for the Eagles. Is he confirmed? Like I believe he's taken over. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, because that makes a difference. I yeah, think. no, it's it does makes a huge difference. Because originally I have a draw here. I think this is just a random Burnley pick up a point due to just what I've seen from Palace is disgusting. Mm-hmm. The midfield's dreadful. Adam Wharton's been thrown in, has had like a baptism of fire. Yeah. Um, the back line is has changed into a back three with Joel Ward and Richards being alongside Anderson, who hasn't had a, a very uh, flattering year. Um, so I think I'm going to stick with the, the draw here. I think it's tough times for Palace right now. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right. Next one, we have Aston Villa versus Nottingham Forest. This one's at Villa Park. You can give me Villa for that one. I'm taking Villa as well. Um, I'm not confident in it. I feel no, like this yeah. is a sneaky Forest game here where they play on that counter. Tywo's have, good now, too. He's healthy. Yeah, if they have that front four firing and f- fully fit, that's a scary team to go up against. Mm. And... Um, I don't know. We'll see, but um, I think I'm gonna stick with Villa at home. I still, yeah, they still, uh, they're still top four when it comes to home form. The, They've only lost two, I think. I think their last three games at home they haven't won. They started nine and zero, and then their last three they picked up one point at home. So that might be a sign, but I'm still gonna be delusional and take Villa. Okay. Um. Then we have Man United versus Fulham. Uh, this one's at Old Trafford. I'm going to take a draw here. I think this is a letdown spot. I've said that a couple times over the past couple weeks, and it hasn't really proven to be true, but I do actually think this is a letdown spot. I'm going to take a draw. I think this is a hammer play on United. I mentioned before Paulinho is suspended. So they're going to have to fill that that hole in with Harrison Reed, potentially that Sasha Lukic alongside Tom Kearney. So I am not confident in that midfield, especially with Casemiro and Mainu playing the way they are, especially Mainu. Uh, some people are already saying he should potentially be in the Euro squad, which is crazy, but he's playing that I, good I have already. heard that, yeah. So, I mean, credit to him. He's been looking good. He's confident on the ball. It's nice to see, but... Um, let the guy let the guy continue to put on good performances game after game, but I think this is a good spot for United here. Yeah, it also goes alongside when we're talking about Leno. Mm. Uh okay. Next one: Brighton versus Everton. This one's at the Falmer, so a home game for Brighton. Brighton looked excellent last week. I thought tremendous, probably their best game attacking wise all season against 
poor opposition, uh, to be fair. Everton looking still very, very shaky going forward. I think Brighton should be able to edge them here. I will go with the goals. This is my sneaky pick. Like we mentioned, there's only eight games to pick, so I'm taking Everton here on the road. I feel like they're going to mess up Brighton's Brighton's momentum and everything. Plus, I don't think they can get two clean sheets in a row, so I'm going to go with Everton here as road dogs. Okay. Oh, that's a bold pick, brother. Uh, Bournemouth versus City uh, at the Vitality. I, I think I'm going to just go with City this time. I got the draw pick last week. I'm not going to take Bournemouth here. I think City should be able to wrap this one up fairly early. Um, Bournemouth should provide them a couple of opportunities to score, and I think they take them early and just sit back. 2-0, routine for City. Yep, I don't see Bournemouth getting anything here, especially with the form they're in. Uh, I'm going to go Man City as well. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm clicking around. Next one, Arsenal versus Newcastle. This one at the Emirates. Got to get our revenge for the 1-0 penalty disaster class. I'm taking Arsenal to win this one convincingly. Uh, yeah, we need it. It Season's over if we don't win this one. So Is this that VAR decision? Yeah, game? yeah, it is. Yeah, I think this is a bulletin board game has to be. be they've been circling it this game was played back in november the beginning of november so they've been looking at this game for a while i would have to say arteta has been pumping it i mean they, they've been pumping teams 11 goals in the last two games i mean like they're ready to go it's gonna be yeah. at the emirates it's a long trip for newcastle it's the late game so they're gonna be thinking about it all day uh, i'm gonna go with arsenal here as well well, this is the one, one of my favorite memes ever. I, there's obviously the we, we will be there no matter what, uh, Mbappe. There's a couple of other good ones. One of my favorite football memes is um, if I say what I think, I'll be suspended six months. And that was said by Mikel Arteta after that VAR decision. Uh, this is the ultimate bulletin board game. Uh, we have to win this game, and it needs to be convincing and violent. So, yeah, I'm going with Arsenal. Uh, Wolves, it's like, it's what's like, that? Uh, it's like Mourinho's quote here. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. Of course. Yeah, that's another... I'm in big trouble. That's... And I don't want to be in big trouble. Yeah, it's the best. That That's probably the best ever. Uh, maybe tied with Gattuso. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Uh, okay, Wolves versus Sheffield at the Molyneux. Should be routine. We'll go with Wolves. Yeah, Wolves as well. I don't know how Sheffield comp- composes themselves to get back after another dreadful performance. Uh, there's potentially, I don't know, in my in my head head cannon, Chris Wilder maybe getting sacked in the next few weeks. Um, they might be searching for somebody to create a, a new a new shape of the team in the championship. So potentially that might be a, a story in the next coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then last game of the week, West Ham versus Brentford. The Hammers taking on the Bees at the London Stadium. You can give me a terribly ugly draw. Okay. I was I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, but to be a little bit different, and I think Tony gets back on the board. Uh, I'm going to take Brentford on the road here, even with the disasters they've been having in the back. 
this is a great team to come up against who's struggling as well to score. So I'm going to go with the Bees on the road and continue the West Ham crumble. Okay. Um, and that is everything, I believe, from us at the cutback. Uh, let's see how long this one was. About a minute or an hour and 15 minutes, so not not too long. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media. You can find us at the cutback underscore on Twitter and that at the underscore cutback on Instagram. Um, thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you all next week.